0: About new possibilities, things that you haven't really experienced or done as well as you had hoped in 2019. You can just put all those aside because it's over, right? And now we can start fresh. Our God wants us to understand that He indeed is a God of new beginnings. You know, we, we, you can go all the way back to creation. And then realize that, oh, humanity messed that up and God got busy recreating. And we're a part of that. This is, this is, this is the good news. I do want to do a little uh, plug for the men's conference that's coming up. Uh, Karen mentioned it earlier. Jason and several men from your church are going to go. If you haven't planned on going up to this point, I think you need to change your plans. Uh, it is uh, January 17th and 18th in Sheraton, Iowa. Uh, the the men's conference is an Iowa event. It actually we have it in three different locations. It's one event held at three different times in three different places. It's really kind of cool, where we all get together around the one theme. And this year our theme is the idea that in the ring of life. The enemy is trying to knock you out, men. And if you do not engage him in the battle, he's going to deck you and you will go down for the count. But there are some strategies. There's some strengths and training that are available. And this conference is going to help you address some of those things uh as was mentioned it's a very reasonable price you can sign up for it at iowa men's conference that's easy to remember iowa we all know how to spell that it's not o h i o it's yeah okay iowa men's conference. Dot com. and uh if you go to that website there are Three different options to sign up to. You want to sign up to the Sheraton one because that's the one that everybody else here is going to. But if you can't make that one, there's one in Ankeny the following weekend and one in Cedar Rapids the weekend after that at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Uh, Anyway, um, that's my plug. I'm supposed to give that because I'm in charge of the Iowa Men's Conference. (laughs) So the more of you go, the better I look, right? (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. Okay, now let's get to it. I want you to, to bear with me for a minute. I'm going to ask you to do something that's that may be a little bit odd. I don't think it's going to be too awkward, but I want you to use your what I call your sanctified imagination. Okay, in order to do that, I need you to... Um, <clears throat> Need you to close your eyes. Okay, so everybody just just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine. We, we sang that first song about the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I want you to imagine love. We've all experienced it to a little bit, but I want you to imagine a love. That is higher and greater and deeper. More far-reaching. A love that that cannot be described. Love that is pure and passionate. I want you to see in that love a glimpse of the God who loves you. And as you're there at the farthest reaches of your imagination, I want you to understand. that his love for you is 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 deeper and higher and wider and purer than even that. This is the God we love. This is the God who loves us. And that God has a plan for you and for me to share in His essence the love that marks His presence. Okay, come with me and understand. God is up to something. I think oftentimes in our lives we don't quite get what God is doing. Now, the truth is we're busy with our lives. We have jobs. We have kids. We have parents. (laughs) We've got things that go well in our lives. We've got things that go wrong in our lives. Two weeks before Christmas, the electricity went out in our house, and it wasn't just a circuit breaker. I've spent my Christmas break rewiring my house. It was built in 1904 or something like that. It's been a mess. (laughs) Things don't go the way we want them to go, and we get wrapped up in living life. But our God... Remains God indeed. He rules. He loves. We talk about and we think about virtues. You know what, I'm, what I mean when I say virtue? There are things that are, it's not just goodness, although that is a virtue. There's the virtues of joy and peace, beauty, magnificence, light, truth. Freedom, glory. The exercise you did with love, take take that and do it with all of those. And understand that, that the most passionate love, the most exuberant, tumultuous joy, the deepest, most tranquil peace, the surpassing beauty beyond your ability to apprehend it, a glorious, indescribable magnificence and radiant light that is inextinguishable the rapture's delight in transcendent truth. These things are our inheritance in Christ Jesus. It's not just the mundane existence of going through the motions and putting one foot in front of the other so that you can make it to the next step. When we are really surrounded by His glory, God does an amazing thing that calls us to shout for joy and worship Him. Have you ever wondered what your purpose in life was all about? Why are you here? Why are you even here? Not here in this building this morning. Not even here in Grimes, Iowa. Why are you, why do you exist? What difference does your life make? Most people live their entire lives without knowing the answer to the question why? And I hope to provide a an avenue for you to travel on to come to an understanding of the why of life this morning. We we often just exist, going year after year with no idea why we bother. You see, medical science has given us longer and longer life, but no reason to be alive. We go to school, eventually graduate, or maybe not, We marry, we get a job, we have a family, buy a house, send the kids off to school, keep on working, eventually retire, and then you die. Is that all there is to life? Jesus told a story about um, 10 young women who were getting ready for a, a wedding party And they were all excited as weddings produce a lot of excitement. And these 10 young women who were not, they were just part of the party, but they were getting ready to celebrate. And five of them prepared ahead of time for the eventuality that things might not go quite according to plan. And if you've ever been to a wedding, things often don't go quite according to plan. So these five were wise and they, they... Planned for things to not go as planned. The other five were known as the foolish ones who just kind of, la, 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 you know, they just showed up and expecting everything to be done for them. Well, as was eventually inevitable, things didn't go as planned. The bridegroom was late. When has that ever happened? Uh, You know, and um, these 10 young women all kind of fell asleep. About midnight, uh, the shout came up. He's coming. He's coming. And the five wise women had had oil for their lamps and they lit their lamps. The other five were like, give us some of the oil so we can have our lamps too. And they said, "Uh, no, (laughs) you know, we planned ahead of time and we need the oil for ourselves. And they went away, they went away to the village to buy some more oil. Can you imagine the oil merchant at midnight or one o'clock in the morning going, what are you doing? (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Give us some oil, they begged. Anyway, they got the oil, they came back. And when they got back, the whole wedding party was already inside the great celebration place. The doors were locked. And they were refused admittance. I don't know you, the bridegroom said. Be prepared, Jesus said at the end of that parable he said you don't know the day or the hour be prepared knowing why you exist knowing what you're about knowing God's purposes in the universe helps you to understand your purpose and your place in this world in this life for the here and now You're starting a new year, and churches very typically start a lot of new programs and activities at the start of a new year, and that's good and right, but it's only good and right as the church as a whole participates in those things. Why does a church do what it does? Why does it have meetings and Bible studies? Why do we have these programs and budgets and projects and ministries and missions? Why do we do all these things? The point of our existence, and I'm going to say it in broad terms, and I'm sure you all will agree with me, is that we glorify God, Right? Now what does that mean and how does it look? I want to say that if we don't recognize the need for our purpose and develop a God-centered perspective, we will fail to glorify God. No matter how busy we are, no matter how many activities we are engaged in, no matter the good that we seek to accomplish. Our problem is that we don't know the, the ways in which parts of our lives are integrated into the whole. And so I want to turn to Romans chapter 11. And that's actually our text for this morning. It's just four short verses. Where Paul breaks into a hymn of praise. Praise. It's at the end of a section where Paul has just been laying out the advantages of the gospel for the Gentiles and the reality that the people of God is transitioning in his time from the nation of Israel to the church of Jesus Christ. And he says these two, and how they relate to each other, is a mystery that we're not going to resolve this morning, but it's all part of God's grand plan. In fact, in verse 32, he says, God has actually imprisoned Israel in disobedience, So that he may have mercy on all of us. And then this praise. Where we sing hallelujah. We sing at the top of our voices. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Oh the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. get our thinking right. We've got to understand that the knowledge of God is the ultimate point of reference. Knowing God is what it's all about. We respond to the gospel and we grow up in our faith so that we can not impress each other, (coughs) but so that we can know God. Better and better. And in knowing him better and better, we start reflecting his glory deeper and deeper. This is how it's supposed to be. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Paul prayed. that we would have complete knowledge of God's will so the lives the lives we live would always honor and please him he prayed that we would have wisdom and understanding so the grace of God in our lives would go through our lives and others would see our good works and give glory to the Father in heaven above. But sin-blinded humanity has always made itself central. We worry far too much, men and women, about how everything affects me. Now, I get it. I was frustrated with all those electrical problems. Yesterday, as I did the last wiring, I hung a new lamp ceiling fixture in the bedroom. It was not an untedious task. And everything else was working in the house. And I went and flipped the switch. And nothing. And I got mad at God. Not myself. I'm sure I'm the one who wired it wrong. (laughs) But I got mad at God. Because it was about me not about Him. When we are man-centered or woman-centered, we twist the truth in such a way that we end up thinking and acting and believing and speaking as if God works for us. I actually said something or muttered under my breath, couldn't you at least help me? <laughs> as if God's my errand boy. You know, hand me the pair of pliers. Can you give me the Phillips head screwdriver? Being man-centered twists things all around, and we think and act as if I'm the reason that God exists. But if we're going to live in 2020, the way God wants us to live. We need to understand that we exist for Him in all aspects of every moment of our lives. That's what it means to grow into the full maturity that we've been called to, a life worthy of the calling that we've received. God has given us this kind of life. The hour is now upon us. Men and women, his body, the church. Oh, we're entering into an age in our country where if the church does not stand up and stand out for things of eternity that are grander than any we have ever imagined, we're going to be steamrolled. We've got to be a different kind of people. And if we grow to maturity, if we grow in this God-centeredness, we will begin seeing how God himself is bigger than our culture, bigger than our society, bigger than anything we could possibly imagine. Well, if the knowledge of God is the ultimate point of reference verses 34 and 35, show that the mind of God has the ultimate, what, I, what I'm calling the ultimate unified theory. You know, physicists for at least the last hundred years have been, physicists, and mathematicians have been trying to come up with a, a universal unified theory of everything. That is how it all fits together. they They've been able to identify, you know, some some major forces. There's electromagnetism, there's gravitational force, there's the strong nuclear force, there's a weak nuclear force. But they they suspect that there is a force behind all of those that pulls those disparate ideas all together. They can't figure it out. (laughs) yeah. You know, Paul wrote to the Colossians and he said that everything was created by him and for him and he existed before everything. He, that is Christ, existed before everything and he holds all creation together. Our basic premise is that God is the ultimate starting point. From there, the church of Jesus Christ fulfills her true calling. For who has known the mind of the Lord? That's a rhetorical question in this passage. And the obvious answer is, well, no one knows the mind of the Lord. Who has been his counselor? No one has been his counselor. Back before he created everything, he took counsel with himself. And in that long time ago, in the time before time, as that God of love and glory and passion and beauty and magnificence, that God had a conversation within the Trinity With himself and said, let us make man in our image. So God's plan was to make others who would be like him. That's you and me. He made us to share in the love and the beauty and the glory and the majesty that was his from before creation. But we, deciding to go our own way and do our own thing, have chosen a path that is less glorious, less beautiful, less loving. And we have descended into the chaos of the pit of darkness. But Christ has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he's brought us into the eternal light of his glory. So God is the ultimate starting point and the church of Jesus Fulfills her true true calling when she acts from that point. Now, Christianity has gotten off balance, and I I dare say every church throughout history has gotten off balance in some regards. Sometimes the church sees the great needs of humanity and tries to figure out what the church needs to do for that. What can we do? What can be done by men? to fix that problem. And that's a legitimate thing. You know, we do give charitably. We go on mission. We, we participate in the community that we are a part of. But the solution is not figuring out what must be done by men. <coughs> At other times and in other places, the church understands and appreciates and celebrates what God has done For humanity. And that's a good thing. We need to understand that God has rescued us. He's made us to be a part of something that is beyond our imagining. And that's good. God has saved us. But is that the end of the story? Is that his ultimate intention, just to rescue us? Or does he plan for us to do something, to be something with him and for him? Another emphasis that the church gets tied up in and distracted by is is figuring out what God must do in man. Sometimes that's referred to as the holiness movement. And we, we get all wrapped up in becoming more holy. But each agenda promotes and fights battles with the other when the real issue is, miss, is missed. God's point of view is the key. It's not, about, it's not what can be done by man or it should be done for man or even what God must do in man. It's what God is doing with himself. And how do we relate to that? For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? There is nothing and no one that exists independent of him. And God brings out of chaos order. He brings out of diversity unity. But when we see ourselves as primary We have the wrong center of gravity and we're going to be out of balance. Humanity is not central. God is central. I mentioned the Trinity and I could go on and on about the Trinity uh, ad nauseum because it's one of the most beautiful doctrines, one of the most beautiful, magnificent truths That has ever been revealed by God to humanity. That there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in complete harmony, unified, yet individually personal. And in creation, God as Father foresaw the day when there'd be a vast family of children who were like him in beauty, in holiness, in majesty, in glory. And those people would come together and be the church the church which is the body of Christ, the church which Revelation tells us is going to be the bride of Christ. And she is going to sit on the throne in eternity with him and rule together as his perfected bride without spot or blemish. And she stands before him without a single fault. Now you look around the church <laughs> today and you go, ah, problem, 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 pro- pro- mess, trouble, oh, we don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but God is doing this incredible thing. I refer you to the story of Hosea. Just recount that. Reread it and see what God does to make a beautiful bride resplendent in glory out of this mess that we call the church. And the Holy Spirit Needed a fit dwelling place from which His majesty could radiate. And so we are being fashioned as well as a temple of the Holy Spirit where each one of us, our stones, fit together perfectly glorious. The temple of Solomon that is described in the Old Testament and archaeologists have have pieced together you look at it and you're, you're just astounded at what it was and that is nothing compared to the temple of God which is the new Jerusalem, the city itself which is made up of us We've got to get this right because if God and his intentions are not center then man is out of balance and will remain out of balance until his deepest need of becoming ultimately satisfied in God and God alone till that need is met And so God's glory, this is the last thing I really want to hit on, God's glory is the ultimate point of coordination. Verse 36. Sin leads us to be man-centered. Sin, in, by definition, is a man-centered point of view. God offered Adam and Eve in the garden everything they could want. He said, except for this one tree, this tree that's called the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from its fruit. Ultimately, what God was saying is, I will tell you, I will reveal to you what is right and wrong. As you get to know me, you will know good from evil. You don't need to experience it yourself. In fact, I don't want you to experience it. Because it will destroy you. So avoid that. And what have we done? It took her 30 seconds to pick the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because she wanted to experience it herself. She wanted to be as God. And she gave it to her husband and he did too. And we still in our age... Exalt experience above everything else. Well, my experience has been, and that as if that's a qualification for reality and truth. I want to say to you this morning, on this day, as we start 2020, that's a bad reference point for reality and truth is your experience. God tells you what is good and right and true and noble. God's Word gives us everything we need for life and godliness. Your experience will lead you to damnation. Do not give in to it. And the lie that says, oh, I've just got to, I, I, I've got to know it for myself, if I'm going to be true to myself. Ultimate satisfaction, glory, and honor belong to God, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. When your vision is bounded by time, that is when it's wrapped up in this moment, when all we can see is the troubles immediately before us, we cannot see the kingdom of God. But Christ came to clear away all that fog. We will see His glory as the reason we were created when we see Him as the ultimate point of coordination. The call, men and women, is to a complete change of mind a change of way of thinking this is what the word Paul used was metanoia completely transferring it's not how we think we think wrongly because of sin we're not able to reason our way to truth we need truth revealed to us through God's Word. When we have our minds changed, our hearts and our emotions, our will, our choices will be changed as well. That's why we encourage you. I I hope many of you have made a commitment to uh, read through the Bible again this year. I hope even more that you follow through on that commitment. You realize a commitment's only as good as the follow-through? Otherwise, it's just wasted energy. Um, There are all kinds of good plans out there. Uh, I find one of the best things is to get a group of friends and commit together to do it. And to talk about it regularly. One of the best way groups I ever was a part of was uh, exactly that. Where we read a big chunk of scripture every week. And every week we got together and talked about it. And we found that uh, we understood the Bible a whole lot more. We understood God more. We got to know God better and better. So let me encourage that. That's a free beyond the side commercial message. Um, I want to tell you that repentance from sin is a, is a good thing. Salvation is a good thing, but it cannot stop short of ultimate transformation. Living completely for all that God ultimately intends is his purpose for you. We don't live in a purposeless universe. I hope you understand that. If you're old enough, you may remember a rock singer named Kurt Cobain. Uh, I doubt the younger generation knows him. He died probably over 20 years ago. Um, But Kurt Cobain was a founder and the lead singer of the rock group called Nirvana. Uh, Fairly well known at the time. His death was a suicide He took a shotgun, pointed it at his head, and he killed himself. And you think, this is a guy at the height of popularity. He's got everything he could possibly want in this world. It makes no sense. Why would he kill himself? Well, unfortunately, it does make sense when you understand how he thought. You see, he was was a self-described nihilist. That is, someone who believes that life is meaningless, that there is no purpose. And once you take God out of the equation, life quickly descends into meaninglessness and purposelessness unless you just manufacture some sort of fake thing that you put your confidence in. Well, I say my life is meaningful because of my family. Well, that's great, but you know, two to three generations from now, your family won't remember you. I don't even know my grandfather's real name, his first name. He's just grandpa. <laughs> I'm sure he had one. <laughs> my great my grandparents, who are they? I don't know. So is there meaning and purpose in that? No, not ultimately. It may be good, and don't hear me say that you shouldn't love your family. (laughs) Do, (laughs) but get it in the proper order. Cobain believed that when he rejected all religious and moral principles, believing that there was no God, that there was no meaning or purpose in life. If you actually listened to his music, you would see that that came out clearly in the songs he wrote. His wife at the time was a woman named Courtney Love. She was a founding member of a band called Hole, H-O-L-E. And <clears throat> for the longest time, that confused me. You know, I didn't know what, where, did the, where does that name come from. And then I understood that it was... Uh, she, had, she was a bit of a philosopher as well, still is. And it is a quote from Euripides where he said, a Greek ancient Greek philosopher, uh, he says, there's a hole that pierces my soul. St. Augustine described that hole as being a God-sized vacuum that only He can fill. Your soul does have a hole in it. And until you are encountered by Christ and He fills that hole, you will always be scrambling in this world trying to stuff that with meaning and purpose. Paul sums up the scope of, all, of things. He said, everything is from God. The things you see and the things you can't see. Even the thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen realm were created by him. all things are through him as well. They exist. He, as I said earlier, he holds it all together. Were God for a moment to cease thinking about you, you would cease to exist. and all things are to God. He's the starting point, he's the ending point. And he's the only way to get from the beginning to the end. Our lives will ultimately come short of God's ultimate intention until we embrace the meaning of his ultimate themes. Of revelation. He has shown himself. God has spoken. Christ Jesus is his final word on every subject there is. Reconciliation. Revelation and reconciliation. We, we went our own way. We did our own thing. But God has made a way for us to be brought back into the family that he envisioned for us from the very beginning. <clears throat> and finally, realization. God is the center. I am not. God is God. I am not. And so every moment of my life, I want to taste and see the beauty and the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us and that we can put our confidence in that revelation in such a way that knowing by that means is far deeper than knowing by any sort of experience we might have. And God, we want to take a moment and thank you for making a way for us to return to you, even though we turned our backs on you, even though we were your enemies, separated from you by our evil thoughts and actions. Yet now you've reconciled us to yourself through the blood of Christ upon the cross. And we realize that what you have done stands at the center of all of creation. And we bow in humility this morning. We bow our hearts and say hallelujah, praise God for all things are from you and through you and to you. This includes my life. So to you be glory forever. Amen.